Hi, everybody. This is Maria Pesson, founder and CEO of For Women Over 50, a podcast, website, and Facebook group that supports women over 50 to live their best lives. You know, some of us think that life is on the downward spiral once you get into your 50s and 60s and so on. But the truth of the matter is it could be the best time of your life. And that's what we do. We help you make it the best time of your life. So today we have um, Tanya Taylor, who's going to tell us about her journey and what she does um, to help women live their best lives. So Tanya Taylor, introduce yourself and tell us your story. Sure. Hi, Maria. It's great to be here. Thank you so much for having me. As you said, I am Tanya Taylor, and I teach professionals how to bitch bad debt and create a six or seven figure retirement income, even if they currently have no plans in place. And um, so I, I'm a CPA by background, and I hold an MBA in um, strategic management. And I've worked in the corporate world for the past almost 24 years. I work with uh, pretty much all of the large international banks and insurance companies. But I've also had a passion for teaching personal finance, having grown up very poor and moving to America at 16 alone. I really needed to navigate America and also try to escape poverty. So I kind of set out a mission to, to build wealth and to have 45 and, ha and to have a million dollars in my retirement portfolio by age 45. And so that required me to learn a lot about personal finance, make a lot of mistakes along the way, but also use those as learning tools. And as I kept learning, I also kept teaching people. So I founded a stock market investment club, I co-founded, and I ran that for six years. And I also aligned myself with a number of organization from the time I started learning personal finance in my mid twenties. Um, and I would teach people different personal finance topics. And also, I guess in addition to that, my husband and I had started a tax practice at some point once we both graduated college. So we also had that tax piece that we also not only did taxes for other people and did tax planning, but also taught people about tax taxes and how they can save money, et cetera. So in a nutshell, that's pretty much who I am. Um, and um, what brought me to teaching people now in my business, which is called Grow Your Wealth, really teaching people personal finance because there is just this huge gap and lack of knowledge where people just do not know um, sometimes even the first step to take. They're overwhelmed by the tons of information out there and also the volume of misinformation that's out there a lot. And so um, I want to help people to really navigate this space and understand and confidently uh, plan for their retirement and really achieve six or seven figure while living the life they love. So there's a lot of women who turn 50 or 60 or whatever, and they're not in the place they thought they would be when they retire. So they're either not able to retire or they're retired, but they have very limited income. And they just feel bad because they made so many mistakes that they ended up in a place they didn't expect to. And they feel trapped what would be something you would suggest they do to get out of that what would be their first steps yeah um you're right unfortunately there's a lot of women out there who, who are in that position and um also because they feel trapped they sometimes do nothing because they have no idea where to start 
And I think if I were to advise someone in that position, I would say, just start by opening up your books, meaning look at what you currently have. Because if you, if you're trapped and you don't even know, you don't even have an idea of where your starting point is, and you just kind of feel, um, in a place where there is no movement, then the first thing you want to do is just really start taking stock of what you have and what you don't what, have. What your assets are and your debts. Yes. So, yes. Yeah. So that's what I was going to get into. So you want to look at what do you own? Do you have any assets? Do you have a house? Do you have life insurance? And you're going to look at that in conjunction with your family situation too, right? Are you single? Do you have children? How old is your children? Are they college age? Are you paying for college for them? And then you're going to, once you could see your whole picture, that's when you could sit down and say, okay, this is where I am. Where do I want to go from here? What do I see my life, look, my life looking like, let's say in five years? Because if you're in your 50s or your 60s, right? You're thinking, you're thinking long-term in a sense, but you also have to think short-term. Because in reality too, and this is a hard pill to swallow, but some people will realize that they will have to work longer than they had wanted to work. So if you're in your 50s and you, you, you would plan to retire, let's say by 60 and you have nothing at all, it's possible that you're going to need to do some extra years of working in order to be able to get the kind of funds that you want to live the lifestyle that you want. Another thing that you want to do as well you could also start by looking at social security. How much social security will you be entitled to? Um, a lot of people don't have a budget. And sometimes when we don't have a budget, not sometimes, most of the time, we don't know where our money is going. So you also want to get a budget so that you know how you're spending, what's going in, what's coming out, so that you can figure out how you can start saving. You can figure out what kind of debt you should be paying down. Because when you do your budget, the next thing that you're going to also do is look at your debt. How much interest are you paying on your debt, right? And how much are you paying on your debt? And once you do your budget, you, you might be able to find extra cash for things that you were spending on that you didn't even realize you were spending on. And then you can use that to pay your debt down. Now, because yeah, you have- this, I'm gonna just interject for a second. Yes show out of Canada where a woman would come into somebody's home and she would help them fix their financial situation. They were usually in a lot of debt and stuff and they didn't see any way out. So the very first thing she would do is she would do an analysis of a year of income and expenses and see exactly what they spent in each category. And the results of that showed things that surprised them that they were <laughs> Many times paying, you know, $2,000 outlay more than they took in. Yeah. And we're like spending like $1,500 a month on restaurants. Yes. Which is not necessarily a must have. And, yeah. and they were doing things in a very screwed up way. Let's say. <laughs> and by doing that year analysis, it really made a difference. Absolutely. And a lot of times, one of the things that I will see that, um, financial professionals do is that they'll say do a budget, but it's like a weekly budget and not necessarily a long-term budget. One of the first things that I do with my clients when I, when I get clients is to do an annual budget. And it's for the exact reason that you said, 
because there are what's called periodic costs that if you're doing a monthly budget, even a monthly budget, sometimes you don't capture those things. But if you can look at your budget over the course of the year, and then now you're also identifying, okay, during Christmas, how much do I really spend? Or when I have a vacation, how much do I really spend? Or if I'm going to a number of weddings because my friends and my children are getting married. So when you do the one year budget, you're getting to capture everything. And then you're really seeing how much you're spending on an annual basis on maybe Uber, <laughs> Uber Eats or just Uber or whatever else. That you have the Uber Eats problem or Grubhub problem. Yes. <laughs> I had a client recently that I took on and she said, okay, I'm going to shock you, but my Uber Eats for last year was, um, was over $8,000. She said, I know, I know I was going to shock you with that one. It was shocking. And it's, it's not a large, it's not a large family, but she, she actually sat down and did the exercise and realized that that's how much she was spending and realized that's one of the first things that she needs to cut. So doing that annual budget is really, really critical. Um, assessing what you have is really critical. Um, looking at your debt load is also really important. And since you are in your 50s, but I tell people this regardless of what age they are, is that you can invest while you're in debt, but you must have some kind of strategy around your debt pay down because you do not want to be investing while you have debt that you're paying 20%, 25%, 30% interest on and you're making minimum payments because it also would not be beneficial to you. But the reason why I recommend investing at the same time while you have debt is because if you wait to invest, then there is this whole notion of the time value of money. And the longer you wait to start investing, obviously, the less return that you're going to have. And when you're in your 50s already, you don't have a lot of time if you're looking like you want to retire in the next even 15 years. It's not it's 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 still enough time that you don't need to feel like I can't do anything but it's still not enough time to see the magic of compounding of compounding operate the way that you would really want to to get the most benefit out of it well that makes sense but it also sounds scary i mean if you're what if you're 70 um what do you do like is there a way for someone who's 70 years old to kind of fix <laughs> So my advice to someone who is 70, who is still vibrant, who is still just like, you know what, I have a lot of life left in me and I want to do something. Most of us over the years have acquired skill sets and we have some valuable skill sets that we're just not using and we could monetize those skill sets. And nowadays with the internet and, and everything that's out there in social media, people are becoming very, very creative about things that they can do in order to make money. And so it would be to tap into what have I always been good at that I would be able to monetize and then secure someone who can help you to bring this to fruition. It could even be as simple as starting a podcast or it could be teaching how to, how to do whatever it is that you're good at and be able like to, how to knit even stuff that I'm you sorry. need to think how to knit teach yeah you how to knit sweaters, you know the things that you might not have thought of were yes. worthwhile that you can do you know how to cook mm -hmm. yeah absolutely i had this woman 
um, in one of my uh, mentoring pro in one of my programs, I, I have uh, several different coaches and she had been, um, she, she um, I guess she had a horse farm or something for the longest while. And, you know, she's getting older now. She, I think she might be in her sixties and she was trying to think, okay, how do I transition? I don't have enough save for retirement. And so she started a business where she's teaching people how to train their horses. Oh, I love and, that. So, you know, you sometimes you think outside the box because if you just sit down and like, oh, oh, I just had a horse farm, you know, I, I don't know what I could do with that. But here she was teaching. It's a small, small niche, but she was getting clients that she were she was teaching because people there's always an audience, no matter what it is that you are teaching. You just have to go out there and find the audience that you can market to and monetize that skill set. Sounds like a really, really great idea. So um, tell us more. Okay. So, um, so that would be my advice for someone in their seventies. Right. And the reason for that is because, and, and they could continue to invest. But again, as I talked about the time value of money, you also don't want to start investing in riskier type assets when you're in your seventies either, because you want to make sure that you have access to cash. And the reality is that while over the long term the stock market always returns positive, but there are times, especially right now, the times that we're going through where if you have all your money locked up in the stock market, you may not be getting the best return if you were to pull the money out now, especially if you started later. So um, in the 70s, I'm generally very much more risk averse and saying to people, go put money in the stock market. You could put a part of it in it, depending on how much of your money you want over the longer term. But um, not that. I, I would not recommend just investing in stocks. And bonds, the return is so mediocre that it, you know, it's kind of non-existent too. What I would also say to folks who many people in their 50s and 60s, they may have a home, right? So think about whether or not this house that you're living in, do you need all that house, right? And if you don't need all that house, you could do a couple things. There is so many different opportunities to rent houses out now, different kind of sharing, so consider whether it's Airbnb or something of that nature where you can get rental income coming from the house, as opposed to just having it there and knowing that in the next couple of years, you're going to retire and you don't know where the money is going to come from. So that's where you got to sometimes make the sacrifices that there are some people who say, I don't want strangers in my house. Okay, fine. But what do you do in 10 years when you don't have enough? Do you want to make the sacrifice now and say, okay, I, I'm okay with having some strangers in the house. I'll set it up in such a way, and then I'll make the income coming in. Um, also, do you, the same, do you need so much house? Should you be downsizing? Should you at this point in time possibly decide to sell that house and take some of the funds that you have from the equity and now start investing it? So, um, another really good way for you to be able to now say, I have, I don't have anything, but I have equity in the house and I can use the equity in the house towards that. Um, you also have to think about um, taxes and whether or not you have the best tax strategies in place right now. So for example, if you work for an employer 
and you're not maxing out your retirement plan in your 50s and 60s and you know that you don't have enough saved, then you want to look into, again, when you go back to your budget, look into how you could increase your retirement plan so that you're getting the best tax benefits because there is a very high likelihood, unless you start a business, that if you're in your 50s and 60s and you have not yet saved enough for retirement, that your retirement income is going to be less than your current income. And so it's better at this point to invest in a tax deferred account as opposed to investing in maybe the one like a, like a Roth, only because if you're going to have lower income taxes in the later years, it's okay to invest in, in, the, in the one right now that's deferring your taxes so that you can, um, so that you could take part in the appreciation and the compounding that you could get. Sounds great. Sounds like some really great tips. Any um, more tips that you want to share with us for women over 50? Um, I would say that a lot of women in general, not only women in their 50s, but they're so afraid of investing in the stock market. And the stock market is not a scary place. Trust me, I've been doing it for 20 something years and I've been able to really um, benefit a lot. I was able to invest in my children for my children their college portfolio I would say 90% of it is in the stock market and they're not even um, ready for college yet my older one is going through the process now she'll be ready for college in 2023 but I was able to build their portfolio um, at the highest it was over 600,000 um, you know so wherever they decide to go to college they will be going to college um, and not have to think about the funds. And that was all from investing in a stock market. I mean, 90% of it was from investing in a stock market. As well, I was able to build my retirement portfolio to seven figures. And I did not just put it in accounts that my company offered. I actually self-managed my retirement. So for all of you that are listening to this, if you have retirement accounts and you have left your job, right? A lot of times what people do with those retirement accounts is that they leave it with their company and they have no idea how it's being managed. They have no idea how much the return is. Sometimes they don't even open the statements to look at it. Um, instead, what I recommend that people do is to really learn how to invest learn what's inside of your retirement account and how to get the best benefit out of it and then start confidently investing don't be afraid to invest don't don't believe that all your money is going to be gone because i think one of the reason why people are so nervous about it is because they don't know but once you get that knowledge and you start building that confidence and you realize that you don't have to pay a financial planner because i can tell you right now um, I was doing another um, talk and I ran some numbers about how much is a financial planner costing you and it could end up costing you a lot. So a simple example could be if you are someone who, let's say today you decide that you're going to invest $10,000 and then you're going to put $200 over the next 20 years, right? Mm -hmm. So if you manage your account on your own and you were getting an annual return of 8%, at the end of that 20 years, you would have about 156,000. If you decide that, you know what, I'm, I'm too nervous, I don't wanna do this, I'm gonna pay a financial planner to do this. The financial planner charges you a fee of 2%. 
So at the end of that 20 years, you're going to end up with $120,000. So it would have cost you $36,000 to pay the financial planner. And this was a very simplified example where, um, you know, the idea is that you and the financial planner both did the same where you got the financial planner who managed your account got 8% return, but they took 2% from it. Whereas the other person who managed it on their own and got an 8% return got the full 8%. And so they were $36,000 richer, if we want to use those terms, than the person who paid a financial planner. So I, I strongly, strongly, strongly believe in people getting educated um, and doing it on their own because you can do it on your own and you can keep more money in your pocket. Well, here's um, one thing that I want to talk about. Not everybody wants to do this. I myself don't have the patience to study stocks every day. So what do you think about um, buying into, what's it called? Um, what's the terminology? When you, it's a fund, but it's a- um, Mutual fund? Yeah, it's not just a mutual fund. It's an index fund. Oh, okay, yeah. So index fund is a type of mutual fund. And a lot of times you'll hear about mutual fund, index fund, and exchange traded fund. Um, that's also a great way to invest as well. Um, the only thing is know that there are fees associated with those. So, um, but, but it doesn't mean that, oh no, I should not invest in it. Not everybody wants to invest in individual stock. And just to clarify for you, Maria, you don't have to watch your stocks every day. If you invest in a couple of solid companies, you, you don't have to look at your portfolio. Half the time, I don't know what's going on with the stock market because I invest, I do my research, I invest, and I feel very comfortable with the companies. And so I don't watch the market every day and the fluctuations and the craziness because it will drive you crazy. But yes, if you are someone who says, you know what, I don't want to do individual stocks, then you want to research mutual fund, but you just have to make sure that you understand the fees that are associated with the mutual fund, because it's very similar to how I talked about the financial planner. Same situation, you could end up paying very high fees and not get the kind of return that you would be able to get, you know, sort of if you do it yourself. But if I were to rank the mutual fund compared to the index fund and exchange traded fund, the fees that are in the exchange traded fund and the index fund are less than the mutual fund. And that's because the mutual fund is actually managed. So it's like a, you have a professional money manager who is managing this fund and they're trying to beat the stock market. And because they're trying to beat the stock market, which they never do, the percentage of them beating the stock market is, is very bad. <laughs> but because of that, and because they get paid to do that, the fees within the mutual funds are typically higher. So isn't there a way to buy an index fund where you just buy that one index fund? like NASDAQ, for instance. Yeah, and I guess I should also elaborate on what that means, right? So for all the funds that I'm talking about, what that means is that instead of buying an invest in individual stock, like let's say you wanted to buy Amazon and Tesla and Apple, and you're like, I don't want to research these stocks. I don't want to buy them. What you could say is, I want to buy a mutual fund that owns all of these tech stocks, right? And like Maria mentioned, like you could buy the S&P index fund. That's true. So the S&P is where like the top 500 companies uh, trade on the, so this like an exchange, right? So instead of going on and saying, okay, I'm going to buy these 10 companies or these 15 companies that I have to research, which I don't want to do, I'm going to buy an index fund or a mutual fund that mimics the S&P 500. So that fund has 
all of those 500 stocks. So it's much more diversified. And that means that it's less risky for you as opposed to investing in individual stocks. And you yep. absolutely can purchase purchase either one, whether it's mutual fund, index fund, or exchange traded fund, you could purchase any one of them um, that mimic the S&P, or if you just want some in tech or some in healthcare, there, there are so many different types. So it would just depend on the types that you want to purchase. This is so amazing, this information and so needed. If somebody wants to find you and learn more about you, how would they do that? They can go to growyourwealth10x.com and they will find me. That's my website. And I am also on Instagram at growyourwealth10x. And as well, they can find me on Facebook as Tanya Taylor CPA, MBA, Grow Your Wealth. I have a great Facebook group where I share tons of information as well. I usually do monthly masterclass where I really delve into different personal finance topics is a good way to learn and to grow financially and start becoming confident in your investing and not be afraid. I, I love talking to women because I think that women, you know, we have this fear and all these studies shows that when we do invest, we actually do better than men because we're so thoughtful in our decision-making and, you know, we really spend the time. And so I like to say to you, ladies, like, really take the time to learn and, and grow. And in your fifties, it's not too late to start. You just have to start. That's really great. Thank you so much for sharing all that. And in the show notes, we will be listing all the different links that you can go to, to find out about um, Tanya. So Tanya, before we leave, I have one last question for you. What are the three superpowers that you've developed since you turned 50, which is probably not yet. I think it's, <laughs> That's right. In a, couple of weeks. in a few weeks on May 9th, I turned the big five zero. So, um, but you know, I've had a lot of obstacles in my life. I, I didn't share any of them here, but um, a ton. And so there are superpowers that I've had to develop uh, at a much younger age in order to just overcome those obstacles. And one of them was really just finding my voice and I feel like once I found my voice, like it, it freed me of so much. And it's something that I just keep making sure that I develop. So that's one thing. The other thing is me time. I am a total me time gal. I am someone who, so I travel a lot. I've actually been to over 50 countries. And so wow. I will pack up and I'll just say to my husband and my children, I need a break because mommy and wife, mommy wife needs to come back and to be able to be here for you guys in the right way. And I'll just pack up and go and I'll go to another country or whatever and, and just take time to relax. And also um, just live authentically. Uh, I, I choose the friendships that I need. I, I do the things that I think is right and true and just live my authentic purpose. This has been such a great podcast. I've learned a lot and I know I'm going to incorporate a lot of what you taught into my own personal life. So thank you once again for being on our show. Have a great day. Thank you very much, Maria. It was great being on.